Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Psalm 15. Welcome to King Me Ministries Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Knight. I'm looking forward to sharing with you today some thoughts that I've had, uh, something I'd learned when I first started following Christ again at about the age of 21. And again, guys, if you guys find this helpful, uh, go ahead and share it. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I'd love to start a conversation about what our topics are or anything, really. It's hard to believe that I've been a Christian for almost 40 years, and I absolutely do not say that to brag. In fact, I'm slightly embarrassed that after 40 years, I'm still so far from looking like Jesus. I was saved at a summer camp at the age of eight followed hard after him for a while, got to those teenage years and really started to rebel against God and wanted to find uh, what the world, how it worked on my own and certainly walked away from him. And it wasn't about until the age of about 21 that I really started to look for him again. I feel like it's safe to say that right now in my walk with God, I feel like I'm in a place that I've never been before, a place that I've only dreamed about being. I hear his voice so clearly as I spend time with him. His word is is more alive than it's ever been. His presence in my life is more evident than it's ever been. And while I'm loving where God has me right now, I would not dare overlook a season in my life that has changed me forever. Yes, God is very present now and my walk is deeper and more mature than ever. But there was a specific season in my life that laid the groundwork that is still impacting my relationship with him today. Way back in 2001, I was a young dad. I'm still pretty young now, don't get me wrong, but I was not going to church at that time. It was a season of deep rebellion and forgetfulness. My brother-in-law at the time was attending a church in Westbrook, Maine, and at the same time that I was looking to connect with God again, in some ways I say kicking the tires of, of the faith again, he continued to invite me to join him at church. He wasn't pushy, He just kept inviting me. This church was a tiny church, maybe 35 people on a Sunday. The folks in charge were different. Different than anything that I had ever seen in a ton of years of attending church. What they were doing in this church was different. And the best way that I can describe it is to say they loved Jesus. Their love for him trumped everything and flowed into everything that they were doing, including running a church. I think it's safe to say that far too many churches settle to just teach us that we should love Jesus, and they teach us what it should look like. The leaders of this church, Steve and Marie, they just loved Jesus. I saw that in every conversation, every worship service, every outreach, every Bible study. There was no denying that they loved Jesus, and nothing was going to change that. Nothing was going to get in the way of that. That was their primary purpose. I quickly fell in love with them and how they followed hard after Jesus. The church was great. The relationships that were formed at that church were fantastic. 
But what impacted my life the most was the Monday night men's group. It was a small group of men led by Steve. As I said, Steve was one of the most godly men I had ever met. He was the closest I have seen to what a disciple of Jesus would look like. He wasn't the quintessential leader. He didn't come prepared with a text and a list of questions to look at after an icebreaker or two. He just followed Jesus. He showed us what it looked like to follow hard after him. And he invited us to follow. Intentionally or not, he had a way of stepping out of the limelight so that we never wanted to be like him, but wanted to know the same Jesus that he knew. There's a funny story uh, that kind of gives you a, a little insight into the heart of Steve. Uh, a year or so after attending this men's group, a group of us traveled to hear uh, Steve Farrar speak. Many of the aspects of that trip were lost on me until later in, in my walk with God. Uh, we had gotten permission to sleep on the floor of a church, and we packed our own food. Now, keep in mind, all of us had the means to stay in a nice hotel and eat a steak, but Steve was intentionally, sh- intentionally showing us a way of keeping the main thing the main thing that weekend. That night in the church's building, I thought that I was the last one to fall asleep. I wasn't. I looked across the room and saw Steve with a flashlight reading scriptures. That had a profound impact on my own hunger for God's Word. I knew right then that I wanted to know God the way that Steve knew God. Anyway, the funny story happened on our ride home. As we were on the highway driving, we, we see this house burning. And Steve, he insists that we get off the exit and go and help, at least to pray. And we started praying even as we were driving to the location. We round the corner and we see that not only were the firefighters already there, they were the ones that had started the fire. It was a scheduled burn used for training firefighters. And we were all pretty amused by that. Yet Steve, without missing a beat, he leads us in praying for the safety of those that are being trained. I've never been a part of a men's group or a church that was like that in those two years. I used to drive a tractor trailer for the post office And uh, my schedule was such that it was very difficult for me to get there at that time. But I can tell you that had such an impact on my life that I just never missed it. Yet, like every good thing, uh, our men's group eventually dissolved as a few of us were called into full-time ministry. And Steve and Marie, they too, they felt God's calling to lead them into another part of the country. But during those years, Steve taught me many things. One was how he empowered me and encouraged me during our times of prayer in our group. He used to say to me that he felt the power of God when I prayed. It's hard to put into words the impact that that man had on my life and my own walk with Jesus. I'll be forever grateful for how he spoke into me. Another thing that Steve had taught me is what I'm hoping to share with you today. It may seem silly to you, but it has had a profound impact on my life. If you look in the inside cover of any of my Bibles, you're going to find these little things that Steve had shared that I still write down. They're just little reminders of what it looks like to follow hard after Jesus. And if you ever take a look at how Jesus taught, you see that he would often teach in in ways, in things that we call parable. Usually these are fictional stories used to make a deep impact on the hearer's life and how they saw the world. Better yet, how they saw the kingdom of God. Many of Jesus' stories are those type of stories that hit you on the way home, And it takes you a while to unpack and truly feel the weight of what you heard. Steve shared a lot of things very similar to that. And one of the things that he shared was an acronym for what it looked like for a man to follow hard after Jesus. 
And like I said, if you were to look on my Bible or any of my journals, you're going to see me pencil in this thing called H2O. It seems like a corny acronym. Uh, It means water in our life, something that we can't live without. But in the spiritual sense, it meant honesty, humility, and obedience. And putting it in that form is a reminder that like I can't live without water, they say that I can go three days without water. I can't live and be the man that God has called me to be without being honest, humble, and obedient to God. That corny little acronym had an impact in my life right then. And even all these years later, it's still having an impact as I continue to see the weight and the power of what it means to follow after Jesus. The first part of that acronym is to be honest. What does it mean to be an honest person? Well, it means don't lie, don't embellish, don't withhold the truth. If you know me in the way that I play with my kids, they, you would see that dad values promises. So in the midst of attempting to trick them, they have learned to pause and they say, dad, do you promise? They know that I won't throw that a word around and they quickly uh, defeat my trickery by making me promise. While honesty is clearly not lying and telling the truth, even if it hurts, it's deeper than that. There's this idea of integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says that a man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes a crooked path will be found out. A few years ago, we got to build our home. And during that process, I encountered a fair share of contractors, builders, and other people that seemed to be short on, short on the integrity. Uh, that was a serious sticking point for me. And to my shame, I shared that verse with many of them in hopes to jar them out of their shortcomings and shoddy work. But like a parable, the more I think through what it means to be honest, I realize that telling the truth is just the doorway into being an honest person. I'll be transparent. I'm just learning what it looks like to be honest before God. I've never lied to Him, not intentionally. I have just enough knowledge about Him to know that He knows everything about me anyways. My problem is this. When I don't want to confront what we both seem to already know about me, I avoid Him. I can hide it for a while. I can still read my Bible every morning, but I stay clear of talking to Him. I don't pray. I don't present myself to Him. This sort of avoidance has been going on since the beginning. In chapter 3 of Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve and the fall, they are living in this beautiful garden. God gives them the instruction not to eat from one tree. They do it. They recognize that they're naked. They cover themselves. And when they hear the the Lord, they hide. And there's a fascinating uh, question presented by God in verse 9 of chapter 3. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said, where are you? That's an interesting and telling question. How would the God who knows everything there is to know, how would he be unaware of where Adam is? We've got to believe there's nothing that is hidden from God. He knew right where they were in that moment. So what's with the question? You know, it's a relationship question. God is asking Adam and Eve, where are you in relationship to me? It's an invitation to come back to God, an invite to call sin what it is, 
sin, and it is a vulnerability before the only one who loves us and wants to restore us. Being an honest man is verbalizing where I am in relationship to God. But being honest starts with bringing myself to God, especially when I fail. We are confident that John, in his letter, where he says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. For me personally, being an honest person is simply that. Where am I today, in this moment, in this relationship? Where am I in relationship to God? The next part of that acronym is humility. Humility is a tricky word for me. It's often equated with a low self-esteem. It's, that's not humility. If you are the best golfer in your circle, people can see through your attempts to say that you are the worst in the group. You don't fool anybody with fake humility. To be humble does not require you to have a poor opinion of yourself, but rather to have an accurate one and to put all of your gifts and accomplishments into perspective. Being humble starts with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. What do you have that you have not received? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did? An honest assessment of oneself must start there. You did not hit a triple, my son. You were born on third. Everything you have has been given to you. Do you have good looks? Do you got money? Do you have the most talent? Apart from the gifts of God, you can't even take a breath on your own. It all starts with Him, and it's been given to each of us by Him. The Bible tells us repeatedly, over and over and over again, that God is attracted to humility, and He is turned off and incited by pride. God's Word says that He repeatedly lifts those that are humble. And he looks to step on those that are prideful and think that all that they do is because they're the one in control. Humility is not downplaying your gifts. If God has gifted you with the ability to speak, then speak and speak in ways that bring glory to God. If God has given you a mind that understands his finances and you can earn money and that that just makes sense to you, then, then give glory to God and use those resources to impact his kingdom and those that would benefit from that. If God has made you good at jujitsu, then thank God that he's given you a body that can move and a mind that can understand how it works. Humility is understanding that we are the recipients of everything that we have and we rightfully place all the credit and the thanks in the hands of God. The last letter in the acronym is O, and it's the hardest for me. It's obedience. You see, honesty, I've already acknowledged that it's easy to arrive at a place where I know that God knows. And humility, uh, I don't have to look too far to recognize that I have nothing apart from Him. But obedience is the hard one. It's that, that one that's squarely in my control. If you've ever seen the movie 300, there's a scene where Leonidas is standing before the Persian king, and the Persian king is saying, all you have to do is kneel in surrender to me, and everything goes away. And he says, Leonidas says, he says, you know, after killing all of those people of yours, I just get this nasty cramp 
in my thigh, and kneeling is going to be hard. And is that not the same thing when it comes to obedience to God? Obedience is submission. And the thought of living a life submitted to an authority outside of ourselves is not a welcomed posture that even the most seasoned followers of Jesus are excited to take on. John Eldred, too, is probably one of my favorite authors these days. In his book, Walking with God, he says the exact same thing. He says that bringing any aspect of our lives to God brings the inherent risk because once you ask God for his take on anything, you, you are now subjected to taking his answer, not as an opinion, but as the truest answer that you can get. And the only acceptable response at that moment is obedience. We avoid asking God because once God speaks, and he will, our only response is to obey him. For me, Noah is one of those guys that stands out in Scripture. Noah didn't make a one-and-done decision to obey God. Noah had to wake up every single day for a hundred years and decide that he would continue to work on the ark that God had instructed him to build. Obedience is the culmination of the first two parts of this acronym. First, we have to be honest and admit that God knows best. And let's be honest, the Creator knows the product much better than the operators. And second, we have to be humble enough to see that we are the product and the Creator knows what's best for us. Obedience is the natural response to being honest and humble. This may seem like a pretty simple acronym, maybe even silly to some, but like my need for water, my soul cannot go long without the posture of being honest before God, humble before God, and completely obedient to God. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this about God, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. D.L. Moody's response to this is the best that I've heard. He says, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man who's fully sold out to Him. I want to be that man, he says. When we are convinced about the character of God, honesty, humility, and obedience flow from who we are. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you first um, for you and for your love for us and your commitment to us. I thank you also for the men and women that have walked with you in such a way that we get to see their fellowship with you and the attractiveness of that love that they share with you and how that has shaped my life. And I pray, God, first that you would would allow me to do the same for the many people that you allow me to encounter. Let my walk and my love with you be so obvious and so evident and so attractive that people want to know who you are. God, I thank you for what you've taught me, this H2O, this need to have a posture of being honest before you, being humble before you, and to have this natural response of just being obedient to you. God, I thank you for those that have committed to listening to this, and I pray your blessing on their lives. I pray that you continue to speak your love in their lives, and God, that you would have a permanent place in their walk. God, we love you. We thank you. And again, Father, we, we know that we are desperate for you to continue to speak and continue to be all that we need. Thank you again, Father. We love you when we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us again. It really is my prayer that God is speaking into your life. I do hope that he's using some of the things that he's used to help me uh, in your walk with him.
I know that God loves you. I know that he desires a relationship with you. If you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But until next time, God bless you.